You're now listening to Sanity at the Movies, Disney Princess Edition. And today we are talking about 1998's Mulan. I'm Nathan. That's Jake. He's a pastor. How are we doing, Jake? Good. How are you? Doing pretty well. I don't think that there's a lot of context I want to provide for this movie. It's the next movie that Disney made. And I think we'll probably talk about... Immediately after Pocahontas. Yeah. And it, I think we're going to argue that it powers up a lot of the things they'd been playing with in terms of feminism and telling more adults or more psychologically complex stories. You can see Disney was really trying out the formula. And for us, at least, Pocahontas was a zero. I mean, yeah. it was a strikeout. I'm just going to stake my claim probably to date Disney's most successful feminist movie and the first, uh, the best template for the the modern feminist action hero. Yes, I agree 100%. And we will talk about that right off the bat. Uh, I guess and when I say to date, I don't mean like today. I mean to that point. To that point, yeah. I'm not prepared to make that argument for anything afterwards, although I think you still could. It's pretty sophisticated in the way that it does it. And you can see the lineage of it in people like Ray and some of the better Wonder Disney. Woman you brought up earlier yeah, when we were talking. Feminist yeah. heroines. I certainly. think actually Wonder Woman maps on to Mulan pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I wonder if that wasn't conscious. But before we get to that, let's talk about what baggage we brought to this movie. Yeah. What baggage did you bring to this movie? I've seen this movie a lot of times. It was, I don't, so 98, how old would I have been? 14? So I would have been in the 14 to 16, but that would have... Seems like a bad time for Mulan. Yeah, but I would have had a bunch of... So I would have had a two-year-old brother... See, Matt is three years younger than me, so he would have been 11 and then nine. So I would have had 11, nine, and two. So we're buying the VHS, we're wearing it out, we're watching this movie all the time kind of deal. Yeah, it's just the latest Disney, so that's just what we're doing. And so I'm st- I'm stuck with it at the age of 14 or 15, but I don't recall really resenting it. Would I have ever wanted to watch it? No. Might I have had some guilty pleasure in it maybe i i just don't i don't remember be like uh i hate this i hate my life i have to pretend like i hate this or anything like that and so it's just i think i probably probably honestly i thought well it's better than thomas the tank or winnie the pooh or he's got some action and some hipper comedy then yeah it's got eddie murphy it's got it's not decent action it's got some pretty animation it's you know I, i think i might have even almost I don't want to project too much backwards here or anything, but I think I might have almost been able to at least tell myself that I, I was able to enjoy it the way that my parents were able to enjoy it. You know? mm-hmm. We grew up a little bit differently, and this is one of the places that's telling. I grew up in a more conservative Christian environment than you did by, by quite a bit, actually. So I sort of, I guess, knew that Mulan was bad because it was feminist, because it was huh. girl power. Okay. Like there, there was enough of that in the air for me to just drink it in and assume that Mulan was stupid. My brothers also weren't really into it. And my parents, I don't know that they cared one way or another, but I don't really remember being around. I remember seeing it exactly once. Like this was my second time in my life oh. ever seeing Mulan. Wow. I've heard the soundtrack a lot. I like the soundtrack a lot. I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but this is just not a movie that I 
have a lot of experience have a lot of experience with or really grew up with if you'd asked me to say which one i would have i remembered more fondly i wouldn't have i would have said well mulan and pocahontas are both duds but pocahontas at least has pretty animation and kind of a, a more a less girl power huh aesthetic my wife, for whatever reason, loves the Mulan soundtrack. I guess because it's good. She loves the Mulan soundtrack. She loves the Hercules soundtrack. I didn't really yeah. grow up with either one of those movies, but I sure have heard those uh, those soundtracks a lot. In, and I grew up with them both. Well, they're both great soundtracks, actually. Yeah. So maybe, maybe maybe it's just Stockholm Syndrome, but I really love <laughs> both those soundtracks now, having heard them 10,000 times. And I'd certainly rather listen to Hercules them. I think Hercules' soundtrack is underrated. It's pretty great. Yeah. It makes me want to watch the movie again. I mean, it's Alan Minken doing like a soul black. You got the muses, you know, and the muses are fun. And it's a very different take, you know, to have the muses narrating. And then, I mean, even Megara, you don't have to like her voice, but her song's pretty fun. Yeah, her song's great. No They're... chance, no way, I won't say it. No, no. So I guess Mulan and Hercules both hit at the time when I was too old Probably for- a little too old and a little too young. Yeah, exactly. I was yeah. not into Disney movies. I'd much rather probably had discovered by that point in my life, tier two good directors. So I was probably into, you know, I'd probably moved from Spielberg and Lucas to Hitchcock and Kubrick. And, you know, I was trying to watch all that stuff, sneaking- clockwork orange from the library and you know watching it in the dead of night that was probably that period where i thought i was really cool and deep and dark and yeah who wants to bother with milan all that to say i have not had a lot of experience with this movie and i will go ahead and stake my claim which is that for at least the first two acts this movie really works really well yeah like, no i think it's i was ready to usher it into the pantheon I'm not quite sure, having gotten done with it, that I am because, spoiler alert, I think it really fizzles out in the third act. Third act. I think it's 100% accurate. The The first two acts, I was right there. I was like, I was sitting there just m- sort of marveling at how masterfully they were playing me, like getting really pretty emotional, actually, for Mulan and her father and all this stuff, while also watching it and being like, wow, this is horrible politics. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I was like, oh boy, wow, they're brainwashing me, and I is, love it. Yeah, and I really, I can't pretend like I don't really enjoy this, and that it, they're not being really smart and clever all the way through, and the songs are fun, and yeah, we get all the way through Mulan, you know, being discovered, and that's it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. And then from then on, it's just There's like, some fun stuff, but man, it it goes downhill. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, my wife was sitting in the room and she may or may not have caught me very embarrassed because a, a single, mind you, tear came to my eye when, you know, after she's been discovered and she's sitting in the snow and Mushu is doing something that's actually funny, which I was hit and miss on him. But again, we'll. We all were actually. I was a little surprised. The kids? Yeah. I think I I felt that Mushu's sense of humor must have been really 90s. I remember my brothers thinking he was hilarious. Like the genie kind of funny. Mm-hmm. My kids laughed like crazy at the genie, even though a lot of his humor was, you know, cultural references they didn't get. And they, they laughed at Mushu, but there were a lot of times that they just didn't. And I was a little surprised by that. Well, Mushu feels like to me, I guess we'll just talk about him real quick since we started down that path. 
We don't have to go in order, folks. We can talk about whatever we want. These conversations go where they will, like the Huns. Mushu feels like he's just an attitude, like we, in yeah. a motivation. He's an attitude and a motivation, motivation. But what he's not is actual punchlines. Actual punchlines. Yeah, he doesn't have jokes. Like, yeah. and it's important. Like Robin Williams, you can, in fact, just say, "Go be funny." Most comedians, and this has been a consistent problem with the comedic performances post Robin Williams. Most people. You can't just put in a microphone booth and say, be funny, bring the goods. Most people need something written. And in fact, I think a lot of Robin Williams material was written. I mean, Eddie Murphy is about as good a comedian as you could ask for in terms of delivering, you know, comedy. Yeah, he makes anything funny. Yeah. But I mean, he, he, he lives and breathes funny. He's, you know, he's got really natural comic rhythms i guess would be the way to say that but yeah it really helps when he has some material and in a lot of the places in this movie he's he's actually doing a lot with nothing that's he's what taking i, nothing that's what and he's I was actually pretty funny that's what i was actually marveling at was like he's doing a whole lot of work with a whole lot of nothing here yeah and my kids just or not my kids my brothers when we were kids just thought he was hilarious yeah. And but yeah, there really wasn't anything clever or worth laughing at. Yeah, there are a couple of parts. There's a couple of parts of just pure Disney slapstick with him that made the me sla- laugh. Well, the slapstick is what, you know, my kids like, you know, I'm not biting it another butt or whatever that line is. Like, that's going to get a laugh because that's just, he said butt. Right. I, I think I laughed. He was doing his whole revivalist preacher with an organ thing and then the horse trampled him <laughs> that, was, that was just well-timed and violent <laughs> they got a couple of jokes out of him trying to act big and then you know being trampled or not taken seriously but yeah i don't know it, the, you can't discount the shrek factor too eddie murphy is these days much more famous for donkey donkey yeah and for he's making waffles and all that stuff that i don't remember yep. being very funny <laughs> <laughs> In terms of Eddie Murphy doing something with nothing, Donkey is now kind of the indelible the, the standard. standard and yeah. Mushu, I don't know. He was the warm-up. He was the audition. He was the Donkey. audition, yeah. yeah. So, But I'm also intrigued by the notion that you just brought up that this is, in fact, a 90s thing that just doesn't translate over yeah, the decades, that, that mi- two decades that 90s on. That 90s attitude, you, you said, I think you put it well when you said, he doesn't have jokes, he has an attitude, and that attitude is supposed to be funny. I think in context that it was a 90s attitude that was just funny. Right. That's set up in a million other cultural places, and you just, you laugh because you know it's funny, right? Like, it, it's like in any sitcom, the jokes are never really that funny. Right. It's just that you know that you're supposed to laugh at them, and you and anticipate it, and you see it coming, and so you laugh. Yeah. And then you could even convince yourself that it's funny, right? But it's not all that funny. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there are there are a couple places where he's doing explicitly 90s things like you the man well sort of. Like that's a, that's a laugh line that actually would have worked pretty well. Right. 22 years ago or whenever mm-hmm. whatever the math is. But then yeah, I mean, I guess most of the joke is just it's this guy with this really modern attitude in a culture that's not like that at all. Yeah. How amusing. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I guess what you could say is, you know, this was only a few years after the genie, and these were some of the first movies to really just—I mean, now explore the, that in a post Shrek world, nobody ever 
or even you could say in a post Aladdin world. I don't know. Nobody ever takes the pageantry all that seriously in these movies anymore. You watch Moana or one of the, you know, Tangled, some of these things. Frozen. I've not seen either of those. I've seen Frozen. I mean, I've seen enough of those and Frozen. Something like Frozen is a good example. Like there's pageantry and you're supposed to kind of take it seriously. But at the same time, we always are slightly ironic about this. We know that fairy tales are stupid, actually. And we take and we love them. But also we need to kid them because nobody can quite approach this straight. Not the way that like 1950s Cinderella could just be played straight and there's probably something to that you know well i mean honestly it really helps when you bring in something as disgusting as ancestor worship Mm -hmm. to play sideways to it right like to say we're not taking this ancestor worship stuff and family dragon protector stuff seriously really helps Mm -hmm. because then okay we're dealing with something and it's not like they're being Nobody, well, maybe somebody is going to accuse them of being disrespectful, but nobody at the time was accusing them of being disrespectful of Chinese culture or tradition or whatever. The accusation will come in the remake when we don't have an Eddie Murphy character. We don't have, I mean, it's interesting to me. I mean, this whole movie really has to walk that line of paying lip service to an exotic culture, exotic, I'll put in air quotes, I guess, but also evincing these thoroughly Western values like we are we are going to pay lip service to chinese culture being really cool and then we're going to tell a story about a heroine that's not going to have any of it yeah and and we're going to paint the emperor and the father and everybody in with some pretty western ideas even from the very outset mm -hmm. I, i don't know what more there is to say about that but well it's like in beauty and the beast we have this little french town and they're just morons what if you also had to say France was a grand culture to live in and these people are morons? Like yeah. that's the that's the difference that you know Beauty and the Beast doesn't even bother with. Milan has to, to Milan has to walk that line. To. And Milan has to improve on, you know, what Aladdin did with Arab culture, right? Like uh, Arab Which even at the time was complained about and unacceptable. Yeah, and I mean Aladdin I feel a little uneasy about, Aladdin honestly. Aladdin pretty much trounces Arab culture, right? Yeah, it's just Mulan has, to, Mulan has to do better and oh. knows it has to do better. Aladdin is a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It is on that level of sophistication about Arab culture. It's every right. possible cliche. Yeah, and, and po- Pocahontas is a big pivot and everything is noble and Well, Pocahontas just takes, and if, if Aladdin is all the bad cliches, Pocahontas is just all the boring, pious cliches about native yeah. culture. And then Milan is a little bit of both and just a slightly more sophisticated concoction of yeah. all that. I mean, we're still going to have the woman in the, what I think of as geisha makeup and the mm-hmm. paint all these traditions and all the people that are upholding them as morons. But yeah, but in the same fine tradition of, I mean, that whole thing is just fiddler on the roof, right? Mm-hmm. You know, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Tradition, tradition. You're tearing it down while paying homage to it. You know, when you have the superior god of feminism you know, that can transcend cultures, then you can do that sort of thing. Right. Because everybody can get behind the god of feminism. But and it's also- acknowledge that every culture has to have its traditions torn down. Well, it's also, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking of, I don't know, some somebody once said, the, the Joseph Campbell myth, every every boy story is about how you can't go home again every girl story is about how going is about how you get home home. yeah and mulan is in fact about 
how you get home. In yeah. that sense, it is a very traditional girl story. The girl goes on an adventure because she has to. The goal is to make it back to domestic life, actually. And I'm sure yeah. in Mulan 2, you know, she straps on her sword again in the direct-to-video sequel that I'm sure exists without doing any research. There definitely exists. Disney Plus threw it in our face as soon as we got done. Oh, did they? Yeah, I think we turned yeah. it off before the credits. But this movie actually does have a traditional... It's The Wizard of Oz. You know, if you want the the template, Dorothy, she has to go on she an adventure. She in extraordinary circumstances, is forced to go on an adventure, and it's all about getting home. And often in a more traditional sense, it's about you should have been grateful for home. Well, you know, Dorothy... Yeah. Is singing about somewhere over the rainbow and it turns out that the only place she actually wants over the rainbow is, you know, home with Aunt B. Well, and it is the smart thing about Mulan. I wonder how if Mulan had ended with all of China bowing to Mulan instead of Mulan's dad throwing the honors aside and saying, The greatest gift I ever had was having you for a daughter. Oh Mulan, how I've missed you. Mm -hmm. You know, and embracing and then here comes the prince right and can you stay forever yep like <laughs> if it didn't end with that grandma by the way, by the way played by june foray famous for uh, rocky rocky the squirrel oh there you go anyway <laughs> not 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 a great asian actress but anyway you were saying, well, we're gonna talk about that yes we too. will talk about that let's be sure um i was just saying disney would never do that today end it the way that they did but it is it was really smart to do it that way, and it is what makes that movie something. I just think if they ended it with "You bow before no man," mm -hmm. Frodo Baggins, you know, that it loses something of its potency and power, its staying power. Right. Part of what feels a little bit wimpy about the ending of the original Star Wars trilogy is that Luke is just celebrating with his friends. He has essentially gone home whereas the true joseph campbell hero's journey it's he needs it, to walk off it's him looking at that twin sunset again and saying oh well, well i guess it's the next adventure i'm gonna walk off into the sunset that's you know the searchers it's john wayne right. i can't ever actually go through this door yeah what you need is and i think he i mean they tried to do it because you have han and leia there and then he's like he's standing outside of them he's standing outside of them and he's looking at the force ghosts of right. jedi past and it doesn't quite do the work of hinting, well, you know, they're not saying, they're saying, good job, you've done it. Right. Yay, let's celebrate. What what they kind of should be saying is, okay, now it's time to go out on your own and strike out and rebuild the Jedi Order. Right. And create peace and order in this galaxy that is now empireless. Whereas, if I may make a sexist observation, Rey having the proper hero's journey ending feels really lame. Oh, yep. she's by herself. She doesn't have a family, actually. She says it's the Skywalkers, but we don't have any connection to between Rey and the Skywalkers. Oh, this, but look, it's Luke and Leia's Force Ghosts. They're mom and dad. Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, they tried to split the difference, but they split it badly. And you mm -hmm. actually get kind of a sad bummer of an ending with Rey. Just like what you actually want for Rey is for her to be with John Boyega and Oscar Isaacs. I don't know why I can't remember their character names right now. Finn and, and Poe. For her to be, you, you actually want Rey to be at the party. Anyway, I guess we should move into talking about why this movie is, because we haven't actually said, we've only asserted such a great feminist template. It's because Mulan is very feminine mm -hmm. and very likable, very charming, very sympathetic from the outset. They set up their straw men for her 
in such a way as to make you feel the justice of her plight and the honor, the honorability of what she's doing. Which is always straw man, but you know, she's not annoyed with them. It's not Pocahontas being a brat and just like running off and almost getting her head high or, you know, and Mulan really, I mean, it's it's maybe as simple as this. She's fall up. She's fallible, right? She, she wants to please. She messes up. She's not a feminist. She's messing up everywhere she turns. She feels like the idiot who can't do anything right. Who is this girl I see staring straight back at me? When will my reflection be someone I, you know? And she doesn't know what the answer to that question is. No. All she knows to do is what she thinks is right. And so here she is completely like this failure and disgrace of a person. And now... now and we've seen her dad come out and try to comfort her and be sweet with her. We know that she has a sweet relationship with her dad. And now they're going to come and take her dad away and he's going to die. And she makes a, a decision, a foolish decision, but she makes the decision. Now she's stuck with it. And once she's stuck with that decision, she even has these moments of, why did I do this? I should not have done this. I should not be here. We feel like, okay, well, she got caught. You know, she was impulsive. She was trying to protect her dad. She did something that she wasn't supposed to do. But now what's she going to do? Like, there's no way out. She's caught in a catch-22. Like, if she runs away, she's bringing dishonor to her family. If she's caught, she's killed and brings dishonor to her family. Might as well just hope to ride this out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like if Feminism 101, like early 90s feminism, is a woman can do anything that a man can do. And that's kind of off-putting because we all, even ardent feminists, know that that's not true somewhere deep down. And it just seems off-putting. The The new version is a woman can do anything that a boy can do, which yeah. is actually way smarter and more appealing. Like a boy yeah. is unsure of himself. And this is Ray. This is Mulan. And actually, we should all be a little bit more boyish because men just suck anyway. Yeah. But if they we stink and they fart and they fight and they have stupid views of women. But if a woman can become a sort of irresolute, but trying really hard, earnest, boyish kind of a figure. Who's clever enough to overcome her natural limitations, which is, I mean, the other thing that this movie knows for most of it. Until that climax, yeah. Until the climax, basically, in a little brief like lip service, is that Mulan actually can't hang with the boys on a physical level the way that she has to hang with the boys is she has to be smarter and clever and more resolved and more disciplined because she's not strong enough right she can't run with that weight on her shoulders she will be the one who falls unless she will fall off that pole she will she'll climb the pole by being clever as opposed to just muscling her way up yep she'll climb the pole by being clever she'll everything she does is going to be her smarting her way cheating her way by or just running for her life and getting lucky with yeah danger pursuing her and any number of things like that that's really smart mm-hmm. right like and it and it sets up you know her being able to do some some pretty amazing physical things later in the movie or at least it feels more earned or more plausible It does that, and I think what it does to me as a male who is officially a good many years older than Mulan and than Rey and all these characters is instead of evoking this feeling of, oh, she doesn't like me and the movie doesn't like me, 
it actually makes me feel really paternal. Like, oh, exactly. you go, girl, you're getting it. Like, this is great. Like, you're j- I, I know you're trying really hard, and I really want you to make it work. Yeah, what it, you really end up thinking like, it really wants you from the beginning to say, oh, I would be so proud of her. Like That's how you feel. As a girl, the, I assume you just feel beginning. like, I would want to do that. But as a guy, especially as, a, as an older guy, yeah, I'm going to be proud of her. That's exactly yeah. right. We get it when dad's like, oh, look at the flower up there. That one's a little late. But sometimes the latest ones are the most beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we get that. We see everything that happens to screw things up for Mulan. We see, well, it's not really her fault. She tries and she's got a good heart, man. Right. <laughs> Different life. She would have just been a slightly too spunky wife for some idiot. And yeah reformed the town somehow but she's not in it to prove something yeah in some obnoxious way which is just a quantum leap forward from bell who i like certainly yeah. from ariel who's just comes across as a rebellious brat yeah and from pocahontas who's so off-puttingly pious and yeah smug in her rightness that it's just like i don't like any of those women except for bell but yeah that's just because bell's better written mm-hmm. bell's still kind of the same way I don't know, is there anything else to say about that? Well, Smart I Disney guess the only other thing is that they give her, they give her a strong lead to play off of and to play to, so that even as she rises through the ranks of the army, she always has that man that she gets to play Trinity to. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that didn't go without being said. No, that's yeah, and it's smart. It it puts her back where we feel comfortable. She's actually acting in support of man yep and audiences everywhere i guess because of our horrible cultural conditioning feel more comfortable with that deeply embedded misogyny man yeah or maybe because of the way that god made the world one of those two. one of those i don't know which one dad's speech gets all uppity and dad says to her you said it puts her in her place and it made me think of that when he says no i i know my place and it's time that you learned yours mm-hmm it is my privilege to die protecting my country and my family. That was super sweet and 100% right. Mm-hmm. The movie should have ended with him going off to battle to die. Hobbling off. <laughs> <laughs> Hobbling off. <laughs> that stuff is really, for, for, for being drawn in such quick, broad strokes, that stuff is really it's moving really with well him drawn. just putting the, yeah. the cane down. And yeah. you feel for that, that man and for that family. And they draw him in such a way, I mean, they do the, him the honor of giving him a conundrum, right? Like, they make him a pretty great guy mm-hmm. in, in such a way that everybody knows that what that guy should do is he's got to go get her. Right. You know, then they give him the conundrum of, look, I can't, I can't go get her because if she's discovered, they'll kill her. Yeah. So now I'm just stuck. That was really smart. I'll be interested to see how the new one solves that question. The trailers. Do they actually? Make it look really cool, that movie. Well, the new one's going to be just as appealing. That's what it looks like to me, is it'll be a great job of feminist propaganda. Obviously, everybody will be doing a lot more kung fu and all that sort of thing. And I, I really did appreciate the fact that this movie, they told a battle story and avoided ever having to show any real battle. Yeah. And also didn't do the usual Disney trick of just resorting to slapstick. Mm-hmm. It was nice that you could have some really big, scary... Act- well, one in particular, the snow scene is a really great action scene, but also 
we don't actually have to solve the problem of are we going to see our goofy little side characters stabbing people with swords. Uh, before I forget, I should say I looked it up and maybe I'm an idiot. I, w- I always assumed there was some actual historical precedent for this character of Milan, just like we have Joan of Arc and the Western it's and Western civilization. Made up. Yeah, it's just a ballad. It's it's a story. You know, people will try and point to this or that figure, or this or that reference that makes it sound like maybe it happened, but it's just a story. How old is the story? Sixth century is when the okay. Ballad of Mulan. I think the story is well, it's set before the sixth century, it, maybe sure. a, a few hundred years. I think maybe fourth, third, or fourth century, but. Okay. I'm, well, it's still produced. It was still produced by a culture that would produce that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it's very different, though. Well, the interesting thing is one thing that I hate about modern egalitarianism in movies and in storytelling in general is that it removes the interesting narrative challenges of a woman making her way in the world, for lack of a better way of saying it. Like when society is somewhat restrictive and a woman actually has to play by those rules like in a Jane Austen novel for example Mm -hmm. there's all these rules and you can't break them and you're not going to break them and they're just set in stone okay how do you navigate that how do you make that work Mm -hmm. how do you put that to work for you how do you how how are you empowered within that paradigm yeah that's really interesting stuff yeah and it's why we get so much interesting conversation out of uh, side characters like Charlotte and Collins right exactly Charlotte figures out how to game the system so to speak in as much as she's able to yeah and also she doesn't right and that's and that's really interesting and a character like mulan i don't actually mind these kinds of stories if, if this story was the anomaly and if, 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 if instead of the rule i don't think that i would actually really mind it like here's a character that has an impossible challenge and she did something exceptional which is why we're telling her a story about her. Mm-hmm. The problem is that every movie is about a woman that does something like this, which means it's no longer exceptional. Like in today's society, why do you even tell the story of Milan? Make you sympathize with all the ways that, you know, women are systemically oppressed. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, oh, I'm sorry. Are you talking now? You're a girl again. This movie does have a few of those moments where there's a lot of those moments. Yeah. Just like, let's not forget that girls are dumb. Let's not forget that we all know this is a man's world and we hate women. <laughs> all of us. Right. Well, the dumbest thing about that is in Act 3 when she tries to tell this dude who's been really sympathetic and cool that there's danger. Instead of listening to her, he's just like, I don't want to listen to you anymore because the plot requires it. Yeah, exactly. And then the guy's like, and you're a woman. Women <laughs> 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 All right, well, let's talk through, I think we've hit some of the major themes of this movie. Maybe go through a few things. I've got some notes here. I didn't know how I felt about the action prelude of the movie, which might not seem like that big of a deal, but for me, it strikes the wrong tone and kind of underlies something that makes this movie less than what it could be and that it really feels like this movie doesn't feel... Eternal. It doesn't feel like Single a fairy tale. Grain of rice can tip the scales. Yeah, I wish we'd started with one man might make all the difference. I wish we'd actually started with that and seen some abstract Instead art thing, like with a book on opening the, up on the Great Wall. Yeah, starting with kind of a James Bond action scene, like here's the bad guy revealing himself. It's just so modern and it doesn't feel timeless and it doesn't feel Disney. And to me, it sets 
Well, it's like Aladdin, though. I mean, that's what Aladdin does. You know, we get we we have the whole cave of wonders scene, and we get Jafar before we get to our unlikely hero. At least as a kid watching Aladdin, it felt like you're going to get a song about how mystical and cool this Arabian world is, and then you're going to get this fearsome fairy tale villain up to no good. And it, it felt like actually that scene does a really good job of setting it in a big, grand, eternal fairy tale world. Whereas with Milan, it's like, oh, we're in the same mundane action schlock world that... But on the Great Wall of China and look, he's scary. Yeah. I mean, he is. It works. It just it just feels like a PG-13 children's action movie kind of conceit as opposed to like a... A really good let thing. Uncle Walt tell you the greatest fairy tale of yeah. all time. Kind I, of feeling. Think that, I think that's pretty fair because I did not remember anything about how it is for as often as I had seen it, which is a lot. I, I did not remember anything about the opening coming to it. I was I was remembering it as it happened, right? Which isn't true for the rest of the movie. But if you think of the beginning to Aladdin or the beginning to The Lion King or the beginning to even The Little Mermaid, those movies all have openings that pop that you can just like you can start the play you, you can press play in your mind and right and go from the disney castle straight through the movie if you wanted to well they all have endings. you know aladdin is this isn't just a movie about arabia is that what it's called about agrabah this yeah. is the city of wonders like you are in the synthesis of all exotic middle eastern culture here yeah Lion King, same thing. This is not this just is Africa. This is this is Plato's ideal of Africa. This is like yep. this is everything that you ever dreamed that Africa could be, unspoiled by humans. Have you ever imagined what uh, an underwater world of mermaids would be like? Let us show you. Yeah, Little Mermaid, probably the lamest by today's standards, but yeah, you, but it was the first. Yeah, you can imagine it was cool at the time. I remember thinking it was super cool as a kid. Yeah, well, and then even the old ones, it's like. We're going to zoom in on a book and we're going to open it up and say, let us tell you the classic story. So it's just like, there's something assertive about that, that mm-hmm. Mulan's just like, hey, we can be as boring as other action <laughs> movies. <laughs> it's kind of like the criticism I've heard people level that we talked about a little bit on about Beauty and the Beast, where pe- where some people said, some cranks said, eh, well, it's a good thing that they figured out how to make Belle and the Beast as boring as modern people. Sure was nice when Disney told fairy tales, but great. Thanks for bringing realism. That's that's really what we want. That's kind of how I felt about this. Like, you guys cracked the code. You figured out how to make a Disney movie as have as little magic as other movies. Great. Good job. <laughs> that's funny. Small complaint, but this movie is actually bookended by scenes like that. The The beginning, I think the ending kind of feels the same thing. I want Mulan dancing with that guy on some clouds or something like that. You know, whatever yeah. the Mulan version of it, I want that. I want herein ends the the great tale as opposed to... What year did Shrek come out? Shrek, I want to say, that is a fantastic question, Jake. Because something was in the water. That's my take. 2001. So Shrek was three years away. Probably they were... Something was in the water. They were feeling it. They were just like, we can't just make a Disney movie anymore. We need to make this as much like a modern action movie, essentially. We need to say that we get it. Right. It works. I mean, as far as modern 90s action schlock goes, this is is great. 
prelude. Then we meet Milan. She's wearing really modern pajamas for some reason. Is she? Yeah, she's like in like a kind of a halter top. I guess the halter top makes it feel like, I don't know, really bothered me. One star, this movie sucks. (laughs) She's got to feed the dog Uh, or feed the chickens. Hey, she's our, uh, speaking of halter tops and all that, she's our first modest Disney princess in a while. We had that Jasmine Pocahontas punch and that was, and oh no, we had Ariel Jasmine Pocahontas and we're finally, I think, officially past the let's have something for daddy era of the way they draw Disney princesses. Mulan is not presented as a sex object. Yeah, not at all, which is super refreshing. We have our first great song. Just the equivalent of the Beauty and the Beast scene. We're a bunch of idiots stuck in tradition and we're gonna make you be like us. And doesn't that suck? You'll bring honor to us all. Which one is meaner to its supporting characters? Beauty and the Beast in retrospect to me somehow feels nastier. I think nastier. Beauty and the Beast is, is nastier to its characters. It's the difference between Belle walking around talking about how stupid and provincial everybody else is and everybody else in the town talking about nip and tuck and with a small waist and a quiet mouth, you know, just sort of oppressing our heroine. Right. She's the underdog instead of the yeah, overdog or whatever. Yeah. And they, they managed to walk that line in such a way that you don't, you're not supposed to be happy about what's happening to Milan, but you also don't feel like there's any malice. Yeah, nobody's mad at her. They're just trying They're to help her. Everybody's trying to help her. Right. And she doesn't have a chip on her shoulder about it, which no, makes a big she, difference. She, she would love to do a great job at it. She's yeah, just, she's worked real hard. She's written the thing on her arm. She wants to do a good job for everybody, and she wants to do it all right. She just feels like she can't right. and is afraid. And so she's, she's not fighting the system. She's not looking down on it. So some people may be looking down on her, but they're all trying to help just the same. And, you know, it's more of an introduction to a system that we're going to flip than it is every any and any one person here actually is a terrible person who's suppressing yeah anyone which is great gosh is there anything else to say about act one and we already talked about mushu and well the ancestors is actually a good place to talk about the politics of casting yeah yeah this movie is culturally it wouldn't fly today it would not fly today so what disney did was disney Disney realized, hey, we've got to do a better job of ethnic casting. But what that meant was, we need a bunch of Asians in this movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if they're actually Chinese or not, just Asians. It's a sort of like, uh, it is the insensitivity that would not fly today, where casting was basically like, yeah, do you have slanted eyes? Okay, cool. That's cool. We can throw you in here. It doesn't matter if you're Chinese or Japanese because all y'all people are the same. And so we literally have a Chinese emperor who's played by Pat Morita, who's uh, Japanese Quite famously American, Japanese, yes. Right. Mr. Miyagi. George Takai. Okay, Takai. Takai. Yeah. George Takai plays Takai. plays the the ancestor, the chief ancestor. It's almost right. He's like, also Japanese American. It's almost like if somebody has to be wise and mystical and like stereotypically Asian, then they're going to get Japanese. Be Japanese, yeah. Whereas if somebody has to be modern and relatable and our heroes, they'll be Chinese or Chinese American. Chinese American and very sound very white bread sounding. Very though. white. And they'll be sung but by But we'll be uh, able to say that they're Chinese. Well, and or I Asian. Mean, frankly though, 
what's the hero's name? Li Shang. His song yeah. is sung by the whitest person Danny of all time. <laughs> Has there ever been anyone whiter? Like Hitler was striving to create Donny Osmond. <laughs> he created a whole society to bring about Donny Osmond. Um, I'm not saying Donny Osmond's a national so- socialist. I'm just saying the boy is white. And yeah, and the and the woman who sings uh, Milan songs is also a white woman. I forget her name. Yeah, that's hilarious. And then we've got a bunch of Jews and uh, black people to be our comic relief. Yeah, Harvey Firestein <laughs> to to play uh, <laughs> to play the ambiguously not gay short fat <laughs> short fat Jew yeah. character, and then you've got Eddie Murphy to play the streetwise outside of this culture '90s comedian. Well, so not not only are we doing a a, a Jew and a black, but we're doing the most stereotypically like yeah. sassy black guy and the uh, just kind of worried and <laughs> over the top. Uh, a very Jewish character with Harvey Feierstein, or how you say that guy's name. <laughs> Which I I got more laughs out of him probably than Eddie Murphy. I enjoyed yeah. him having him in the movie. Those three I guys both are, did a great job. Yeah, they both did great. I really like those three guys, though. The three main, oh, her, yeah. her friends. Yeah. They're good. Oh, and... And Ling and... Uh, the big, I'll call him George style. Poe. Yeah, Poe is the... Poe's know. the big guy. Ling is the tall, skinny guy. And then there's Harvey Fierstein's character, whose name I can't think of. Either, right. Off the top of my head, but... Those guys are fantastic. And... Yeah, they do a nice job. But... And they are written in a nice way. Yeah. I mean, the movie starts to feel like it hates men a little bit with all the and men, then it gives men you fart and scratch like, themselves. Mm-hmm lovably bumbling guys who say the things but are also actually kind of they're all okay, sweethearts pretty okay guys yeah at the end. When you get down past the rough gruff i have to pretend to be a man stuff then you know you can't imagine any of those three guys actually being demeaning to women or even having much of a shot with many women you know they, <laughs> right. just, they just like to talk that way <laughs> and it's pretty sweet and they they you know they have a lot of fun with milan trying to fit in and that actually got some laughs out of me the you know when you get those manly urges fix things cook outdoor i thought that was kind of cute i don't know i mean it's like i'll hold him you punch (laughs) if the movie was really sophisticated and actually good what it would do is have the men not really be that much like that but mulan be like that to try and fit in Uh which the movie kind of did but yeah it could have done it even better i guess it was more like She's just not good and natural at being right. Being a, she doesn't have thirty years of practice. Yeah, pretending to be that way, like all these other guys have thirty years of practice pretending to be that way. Yep, exactly. But actually, we're all kind we're of actually all pretty cool. And, yeah, 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 and cool. <laughs> as guys, we're a little more effeminate. As women, we're a little more tomboyish and butch, and mm-hmm. you know, we're all kind of just the same. Yeah, we're, the there's day. a spectrum, really. Yeah. Our whole. Casting theory even extends to the uh, the ancestors who all are played like not. Traditional values will just dis- disintegrate. Not to mention they'll lose the farm. Is like all <laughs> <Yeah>. these, <laughs> which I got a kick out of. But again, I don't think any of that would fly today. You have to strictly just cast this across the board with Chinese. I don't even know if Chinese American would cut the mustard today. Maybe it would. They managed to get talk about cross dressing and dressing and drag and things mm-hmm. like that in in a way that. It's interesting to me. Well, it's interesting how much culture has changed 20 years. That cross-dressing is completely unacceptable because the whole joke is, ha, 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 they're cross-dressing. Yeah. Whereas 
I mean, you can't do that now. That's transphobic. That's yeah. That's whatever. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Well, I actually read or read part of what she wrote mm-hmm. in response. She put a thing up on her website. Or yeah, the big like that. the big post that was yeah. fascinating. Where she's she's a true feminist, man. Yeah, hardcore. Well, she's a bit of a turf, Jake, in my opinion. Was that trans, trans, trans exclusive, radical feminist? Feminist. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, she's she's consistent. At she's least consistent. At least on those points. At least on those points. Yeah. Maybe not in other places. Yeah. Her magic system could use a little work. <laughs> um. <laughs> I was thinking a little bit more about Dumbledore, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's fascinating. It'll be interesting to see what'll happen. What's gonna happen to her? Whether she she will truly get canceled and what will happen to harry potter i stand with jkr jk Rowling was trending top trending yesterday there you go i think she's actually managed to be something of to plant a flag that's rallied a not insignificant number of people well there are a lot of feminists out there that don't like trans stuff because yeah. it denies them rights as females yeah see it exactly as the way that she put it which is just more men erasing what makes women different and distinct and she said it about as strongly as i've heard anyone say it. she yeah. said we've been set back like feminism it's not just that we're we can't make an uneasy peace with this but this is devouring what we've grown this is setting us back a hundred years yeah suddenly there's nothing special about being a woman it's all in our minds right men have taken it away from us again i mean she that's practically a quote yeah so fascinating yep has everything to do with Milan. I really like Donny Osmond's number. Man Out of You is pretty great. Oh, yeah. It, it was weird because when I was in college ministry, there was, it seemed like there was always a group of guys that loved that, that song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like as a kid and would like, it would like come up on trips, you know, it'd be like, we'd take a missions trip or something. We'd be out, you know, packed into a couple of different vans or something like that. And somebody would be like, we're going to sing. And somebody would start singing that song. And the van would, I was in, would be singing that. Like, that's just like a memory I have. I was always sort of dumbfounded by that. Like, that's the Disney song that you pulled? Like, mm-hmm. okay. Well, Mulan successfully enough embodies what it is to be a boy. Like I was saying earlier, that yeah. I, th- I think boys can actually get behind this movie and connect with it. Yeah. And connect with it. Like, oh yeah, I'd be the person that would be left behind in training, but maybe I could. Yeah. Then be in front of everybody. And then you got girl worth fighting for, mm-hmm. and that's a fun one too. That's hilarious. It's really well animated. I like when they go into the little tapestry, and mm-hmm. wasn't sure how I, what I how I felt about them pulling the rug out from under us with the the song's going to end in them. Like, oh, the musical part of the movie's done. We got to the burning village, and now it's an action movie from here on out. Yeah. But it's a really cute number. What did you think about that nakedness scene? The skinny dipping scene? The skinny dipping scene, yeah. Too, too many jokes about Harvey Firestein standing on... Rocks. uh, Rocks and (laughs) things like that. Yeah. Getting into Austin Powers territory there. I I, I think I, I don't... I actually don't mind... It on an objective level, I do mind it on a, in a kid's movie. If you're going to tell this story, it's a really obvious scene that you should, like conceptually, you want that scene. You want scenes where she has to hide. Yeah. And she's almost caught, you know, she's almost outed. She's almost exposed. Mm-hmm. 
Ha ha. Um, and if it's a girl dressing up as a guy, there's only so many ways to do that. And... Right. And what the what's the other option is like going to the bathroom. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I would say conceptually, I like it. Execution wise, it's I would it's feel bad tasteless. maybe showing it to the little kids just because yeah. there's too many jokes about body parts and stuff like that. Yeah. But oh, speaking of body parts, Li Shang has nipples. First Disney character. I don't know if he's the first Disney character. Uh, no, but because King Triton had. Yeah, lots of people have nipples, but Aladdin didn't. He always had that dumb vest. vest. Yeah. And so I was really glad to see <laughs> that our hero had nipples. Okay. I was glad. Good job, anatomically correct artists. Little fan service for the ladies. That was maybe not too much. It, they poke fun at it too. I'll yeah. do it pretty boy and I'll do it with my shirt yeah, on. My shirt on. <laughs> I guess we're to the big snow battle, which is awesome. Yeah. It's got that same awe-inspiring animation tactic that they pulled for the stampede. Yeah, with the helicopter shot going. Yeah, as they're coming over the ridge. As they're coming over the ridge, yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Everything with, with our guy, what's his name? Li Shang? Li Shang, the, the good guy, yeah. Yeah, everything with him just sort of emotionally with his father and, you know, making the march and... Yeah, it was Mulan that screwed it up again. Mm -hmm. You know, all of that was really great. Arrows, save the rockets, save the, we're all going to die here. Save the last rocket for Shan Yu and, you know, Mulan sees the thing and does a thing. And But again, I mean, we're going to get to this at the very end, but we're not going to make this scene about how, because Mulan's trained so hard, she actually is just as good at as a man would be at doing Kung Fu and knocking over these giant, Nope, she's Barbarian invaders. just smart enough to ha see an angle that nobody else saw because she caught something off the glint of her sword. Mm -hmm. And she's got she a magical dragon to help her. And she's got a magical dragon to help her and she's got the guts to go out and give it a shot. And then she's going to get slashed by the bad guy. And mm -hmm. she's, she saves Donny Osmond or whatever his name to, is. But, yeah. but they don't overplay that the way that they might to isn't it's not ray the only thing that yeah when she scoops him up onto the horse it's like okay come on that horse has some superpowers. actually mulan's Absolutely. legs have some superpowers because they go over the cliff and then that horse is just yeah held by her thighs i guess i uh she probably i don't remember exactly she probably tied the rope off to the saddle yeah maybe but i just thought it's that weird place where Disney's splitting the difference. We're going to do like a kind of PG-13 feeling action modern thing, but the horse can't die. The horse could never die. Yeah. The horse can't just go over the cliff and be gone. He's one of our characters. It's a really great scene though. The comedy with the guys shooting the arrow, like it's in the best Slipped Disney Slipped right through my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> all that stuff's great. I mean, yeah. nobody- Poe comes up and picks them all up yeah. and pulls them back. That's- that's perfect. That's good Disney. Disney, good co Disney. Nobody combines danger and comedy like Disney at their best. And this is one of the yep. best examples of this. Yeah. Probably top five Disney action scenes. I mean, what would, what would we even say? Sleeping Beauty, final fight. Yeah. Final fight of Sleeping Beauty. I'm yep. going to say Stampede, probably. From Lion King. King. Yeah. yeah. Final fight with the Beast. The Beast and Gaston's pretty great. Strangely, I don't think I'd put Aladdin in there. And not because I'm a Aladdin hater, but just because he doesn't really get to fight fight jafar and he's just sort of like dealing with the snake he gets to do cool stuff it's, a, it's a cool it's a cool scene but i don't know that it's a top five disney action scene scene i feel like there's a whole category of movies like jungle book and whatever else that we're not 
we're just not thinking of thinking of and no, like there's a lot of famous rescuers c- with the rescuers down under with the oh find, fly, fighting fly, von leach on the waterfall and all that flying on the eagle Radigan versus Basil on the um, Big Ben. Big Ben, yeah, that's pretty cool. Actually, I don't know that that's pretty cool. I I remember it being awesome when I was five. Kid. I've never not not seen it since then. <laughs> um, it's a great action scene. I think that's the point. Yeah. And then Mulan's injured, and we're all like, "Ping is the hero," and everybody's like, "She Ping has won everybody to himself," and everybody's worried and concerned and the doctor comes out and is like, uh, something uh, you should know. And everything goes cold from there and... Mulan is sad. Mulan, Mulan is sad and Sheng Li? Sheng Li, yeah. Sheng Li is sad and angry and betrayed and hurt and... And we've got a really great setup for a really great ending and then this movie descends into total shock. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it makes you admire what you want. What you really want is for for the army. The army's coming in, and they're they've got they're hanging their heads while everybody's celebrating them. And we don't really understand. It's never really said why. Do they feel bad about leaving Mulan? Do they feel shame and embarrassment at having been saved by a woman? What is it? Let Let's go ahead and have that conversation. Let's have the the jerk. Chifu or whatever his name is. The evil counselor guy. The evil counselor guy. Be like, disarm me. You go to the emperor and cast them all in a dishonorable light. Let's have them be on the ropes. Or it, let's put a, an APB out on Mulan. Let's, let's do any number of things where then when Mulan comes in with the intel, undercover or whatever, Chang, Sheng Lin... Sheng Li. Sheng Li. Man, why can't I get this right? Well, Jake, it may have a little something to do with your internalized racism. Probably. Um, Sheng Li has to make a decision. And the decision is, all right, guys, look, w- at, once we do this, we're all going to be, you know, we're all going to be executed. Right. But this is what has to be done to save, to save the emperor and to save the city. Mm-hmm. So they all make a decision together to run to subvert to whatever the order they're in prison whatever whatever something then they save the city and then they go they all go turn themselves in or something like that then you can make that pretty strong and powerful instead because then you're still playing with the things that you've set up and that you've worked for right and you've not just decided well now that we've achieved everything we want to achieve let's just have a third act that's action yeah that's the thing the third act doesn't feel emotionally resonant. So that, that was off the cuff, but there's a good version, a better version of the kind of thing I'm talking about. I mean, honestly, if I'm writing the movie and I don't have to worry about being politically correct, maybe I just have big bad guy burst out of the snow, grab Mulan, and then our hero has to go back and save her. And then she <laughs> yeah. can still, she can still, I mean, we can't just have her be a damsel in distress. I understand that. I would not write it that way. But I think it might be more satisfying if we gave our hero some agency in the end instead of just making him yeah. kind of lame somehow. I mean, Mulan's already made her choice. The third act has to be about him making his or about something. I don't know. The third act's not really about anything besides stopping the bad guy. And stopping the bad guy actually isn't a very compelling emotional. The third act is how do we... We've now established that Mulan's awesome. What we've not done is overturn the system. 
And so now we just need enough of a spectacle to justify overturning the system. Which just isn't that intriguing Yeah, on a narrative level. I don't know. It's like she's proved herself. Now she proves herself again. I'm not sure exactly what you could do to how it should work. I, it might also help if this bad guy wasn't such a zero. I don't like this bad. He's physically imposing and he's got that bird that's kind of cool, but he doesn't have much of a personality. If we really hated this bad guy and we're, you know. Yeah, the most we get is, well, they're afraid to show violence on screen and that's part of it, right? Like We don't even see the arrow fly at the we don't, messenger. We don't the, see the arrow fly at the messenger. We don't see him stab the guy on the watchtower at the beginning. We just see him burn the flag, which is also a spear. Like we don't see him set the guy on a burning pyre. Like we don't, you know, we just hear him say things like, you know, now China knows you're here. Good or perfect or yeah. whatever. Like he's just like. He's all tell and no show actually. But at yeah, the end of the day. it's like, no, the, we can easily avoid them. Nope. Shortest path. We'll burn and destroy anything in our way. We're just that big and strong and powerful. I was, I'm here on the emperor's invitation. He, he, he invited me by building the wall, challenging my strength. Maybe, I mean, if you really want to go for the action schlock ending, this guy needs to be threatening Mulan's family, or this guy needs to have killed her dad, or I'm not saying any of these are good ideas, but I'm just saying if you want it to resolve like an action movie, there has to be something personal and something real between these yeah, characters. Yeah, well, they play with it with that like doll or whatever, but they never actually do anything to... If that was Mulan's village, mm -hmm. and we can save dad and mom in a flashback where the general fights everybody off while a few refugees from the city escape or whatever, I don't know. Let's have that guy sweep through Mulan's village while she's training, like when, when she's with the army, grab her parents, and then let's just bring her parents to the climax so that something's at stake that Mulan really cares about. It can't just be some national abstraction at stake or an emperor that we haven't spent any time with. It has to be. But it's Mr. Miyagi. It is Mr. Miyagi, and I don't want Mr. Miyagi to be hurt. I don't know. There's not enough at stake about this ending. I mean, what was the bad guy's plan? Like, he was going to barricade himself in yeah, that exactly. castle. None, none of the million people outside of the castle. We're going to eventually break it down and destroy him. Or just hang out outside until he starves. Exactly. I mean, the guy needs an actual good plan. His plan is worse than Jafar's plan, and Jafar's plan sucked. <laughs> Genie, make me sultan. <laughs> Um, so you want a hat and robe. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and then they, uh, the firework thing is so obvious. I remember as a kid, like, oh, she's going to shoot him with fireworks. Well, okay, cool, I guess. Well, I mean, they knew that you knew that because they let Mushu yeah, know it's it. Not, it's not a big surprise, I guess. We... You know, at this point, we're expecting her to think outside the box. We've already established that fireworks tower like three times in frame. And then she looks at it. But a good climax needs to be both inevitable and surprising. So what you really want is for them to fire the firework for Big Bad to say something about his potency. that I don't even remember what his name was. What was his name? Sean. Connery. <laughs> Sean Yu, maybe? Sean Yu. So you want Sean Yu to grab the firework and be like, oh, you thought you could do this? And then you want Milan to be like, no, but I can do this. Yeah. Something. That was just a distraction while I 
tied you to this hot air balloon. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which we also established. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what you want. You, yeah, you don't just want, we're going to do this. And yay, it worked. That's not a good ending. Yeah. And I don't know. I think we either discussed this or alluded to it before, but we are going to suddenly go into full girl power mode. She is going to, in fact, not just outwit the bad guy, but She's physically. be able to physically overpower this massive, hulking, scary leader of armies that nobody's been able to stand up to. You're going to pin his shirt down such that he, like a, a moron or someone with a very strong shirt, can't, <laughs> can't, can't break away. Pin it down. With a double-edged sword. Yeah. <laughs> that sword was any good, it would... Well, I guess we don't have to pick too many holes in this, but the ending's dumb. Yep. Uh, and the fact that Shang Li isn't prepared to believe her is dumb. It's just for the plot. And across the dressing is dumb, and everything's dumb, and this ending is a bummer. Yep. That's my thoughts on that. <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love the reason why we have to take time to dress all of these guys up as as women and paint their faces is because we don't have time to batter down the door. Right. I understand. <laughs> They'll never make it to the emperor in time. I know. Let's dress them all as women, shimmy up the poles. Approach these guys. With yoo-hoos. With yoo-hoos and then pull like cantaloupes out of our dresses and smash them over the head. Like, here's an idea. Shimmy up, bring some cantaloupes if you want. You don't have to bother d- dressing as a woman. Sneak up behind those guys, hit them with the cantaloupes. Call it good. Yeah, call it good. Here's another idea. Shimmy up. Stab those guys. <laughs> oh, and then the emperor does my least favorite cliche. It's the sitcom boss cliche. Yeah. You screwed this up and that. You yep. did this. You did that. You did this. And I am so proud of you. Yeah, and, and I you couldn't s- be more proud. Yeah, and I couldn't be more happy. Mental, that plan that you worked on. That stupid idiotic idea that you pitched, it's going to save the company. <laughs> yep. It's like, why would anyone ever phrase something like that? Just when I thought that you couldn't be any more stupid, you go out and you buy a shaggy dog or a moped and totally redeem yourself. Yep. <laughs> it's like, are you having a stroke? Like, <laughs> why, why, are, why are we talking like this? <laughs> Because a screenwriter wanted to build suspense. That's why. And then, like I already said, I don't like that Shang Li is just kind of hanging out on the you, periphery. You don't meet a girl like that every dynasty. Yeah, that's a cute line, I guess. Feels a little condescending somehow to Asian I culture. I don't know. Not a fan. No. Personally. Let me say Confucian's saying, the flower that blooms in adversity is the most rare of all. Huh? You don't meet a girl like that every dynasty. <laughs> Yo. Also, Mulan's fan, incredibly strong. Great material that that fan, to be able to flip a sword out of a bad guy's hand using a fan. It's actually a, a tactic that they taught women in self-defense huh. to use fans like that, is my understanding. There you go. I apologize. This ending is awesome. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can probably find videos or, or things about uh, using those fans in self-defense and combat and not combat but just like a last line of defense kind of situation there you go well how many pieces of rice out of ten thousand do you give milan um i give it a 10 for successful feminist propaganda 
which makes me give it a, a one for moral content. I give it an eight for just fun, entertaining story and music. And it could have been a nine or a 10 with a strong third act, but I really think the first two acts count for a whole lot. So I don't know. Yeah. I got to choose what, it, what does that balance out to? I don't have a calculator. Seven. Seven. I was going to say six, six and a half with most of the same considerations, but maybe slightly less. I don't think I'd give it like quite as high marks for just pure entertainment value. Songs are good. The first two acts are good. And just watching those, I was like, hey, this is a Disney classic that I didn't know existed. But that third act really is a bummer. And it really does take a lot of steam out of the sales of this movie. And I don't know if if, in a perfect world, the comic relief would be stronger with Mushu or more able to reach across the decades. Yeah, I think that's true for sure. If if he was firing on all cylinders, if he was as successful as Robin Williams, then I think that would probably make up for a lot of the other movies' shortcomings. And maybe it did back in the day. Didn't really for me on this viewing. Hmm. I mean, you that's also, fair. it was also just fun to see Eddie Murphy doing animation, which is something that's completely lost on today's audiences in a post Shrek and post Eddie Murphy being a cultural force. Oh, I was just going to say it's fun to see eddie murphy doing anything yeah where'd he go be nice to have him back maybe maybe i don't know maybe not maybe he's played out and he knows that i don't think well so he did uh comedians in cars with getting coffee with seinfeld where he said he was going to get back into stand-up i think he is doing stand-up i think eddie murphy actually does want to make a comeback i think they're talking pretty seriously about a beverly hills cop four or whatever no they're talking about i think they may have even started on coming to america too or some things like that but I don't know. It hasn't felt like Eddie Murphy's really cared for a long, long time. I mean, that yeah. guy was a dynamic force of nature through the 80s and early 90s. And yeah. then at a certain point, he decided to, around the time of the Nutty Professor, he started to do these family things. And then he realized like, oh, they'll just give me suitcases of money to show up for a day and record some dialogue for an animated thing. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll do like a Norbit or mm-hmm. Adventures of Pluto Nash or like, you'd be hard pressed, I think, to name someone who whose star ascended as high and now is diminished as much as Eddie Murphy. He was a huge deal. Yeah. Huge, huge. He was. I mean, I remember seeing the Nutty Professor just because it was Eddie Murphy, right? Like, yeah. Oh, look, Eddie Murphy's going to play 5,000 characters in this one movie. That'll be awesome. Well, and if you, you know, we were talking earlier about him not having material. You watch like some of that old Saturday Night Live stuff and it's like, this is okay. But the pure star wattage of this guy, this is a like burning sun on the stage and he is just bringing these sketches to life and Mm -hmm. destroying people just not because his material is so strong, but because he is such a charismatic performer. Yeah. And that's how it is when you watch his early movies, you know, whatever trading spaces, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know that I'm a huge fan, but he is. An undeniable talent. An undeniable talent. Regardless of whether you like him or not well at the time he felt kind of like one of those forces of nature you know a, a, a michael jackson or a michael jordan or a, you, you might put eddie murphy in, robin williams or robin williams you might put eddie murphy in that conversation as someone who's just like will smith wanted to be as cool as eddie murphy he succeeded yeah but will smith had to figure out how to have a more dialed down second act of a career and eddie yeah. murphy never figured that out 
Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see if he figures out how to have a third act in his career. All right. Well, so you gave Mulan seven. I gave Mulan six. Folks, if you want us to talk about Indiana Jones. Man, we were there for a minute. We were geared up and prepared to go. And then we had somebody, I think maybe just one person. I'm not sure. Some people had to dial back their support, probably COVID related or whatever, which is okay. We understand it, but we're $12 away. $12 away from Indiana Jones. So I know that there are a couple people out there, maybe just one person that is ready to hear Indiana Jones. So make it happen, guys. Right. And we're ready to give it to you and we're ready to get into this superheroes journey. We've been talking about it a lot behind the scenes and yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. And another reason to sign up for that Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies, is there is a ever-growing and pretty big library of us talking about Star Wars Clone Wars, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And some other things. We have our reviews of Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, like the new the Disney remake live cycle. Live action stuff, yeah. Live action remake cycle. We talk about all that stuff. Like, if I was going to say it, sign up for just one of our Patreons in terms of, like, what you get. I, I think I might be tempted to sign up for this one. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. We release a new Clone Wars review every week. So Yeah, and if you feel like, oh, these kids' shows are beneath me, but I really want to know what is going on with them, we'll just tune in and we'll tell you. Yep. And we will talk every which way about Just Clone don't be Wars surprised and- if you don't end up watching it. Yeah, we will convince you. If you want to be convinced, if you want to pay someone to convince you to watch Clone Wars, <laughs> <laughs> then you could do worse than sign up it for- It took me years to convince Nathan to do it, and he had to do it as uh, part of his job. Yeah. Uh, Boxed him in. Basically, I'm being paid to do it. You can help pay me. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a good Patreon. I encourage you to sign up. And most importantly, we'll get to review Indiana Jones and other cool things like that. Yep. And we will do some very detailed analysis of Indiana Jones, which I'm looking forward to. Talk about what makes all those individual set pieces work and the the magic of Spielberg in his prime. And we'll get to talk about Spielberg not in his prime. Well, and beyond that, the reason we start the superhero's journey with Indiana Jones is because he typifies in a really fun way the classic American anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And so we'll do a lot of context talking about John Wayne and the cowboy We'll take types. you, here, here, here's-, here's Dime here. store novels. Yeah, exactly. We're going to take you from Pulp Fiction of the 18th century, the two-fisted American archetype that started to be developed in schlock literature of that time. I don't know why schlock is my word of the day. And we'll take you all the way up through Indiana Jones, and then we'll follow that All path, the way all through- the way the Batman and Superman movies and Spider-Man and the Batman reboot, a little bit of the, maybe do a little bit of the DC universe, but really we're going to come into the MCU, get us up to speed with how our view of heroes has been shaped Mm -hmm. over the last 50, 100, 200 years. Yeah. Which it'll be fascinating to talk about what's changed and it'll be fascinating to talk about What's the same? Yep. Tony Stark, not the first American hero to uh, be a bit of a, uh, what do you want to say, a bit of an anti-authoritarian gentleman. Yep. So, be a lot of fun. And fun fact, man, was I bored with the MCU, you know, around the time End- Endgame came out. And it's not that I don't love those movies, but I was just tired of talking about them and thinking about them. And 
I, I feel like my batteries have been recharged. Yeah, I'm, I'm, ready I'm, I'm ready to get back to them too. I keep resisting the urge to go back. And glut yourself right before we actually get to do it here. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I guess eventually COVID will be done, Lord willing, and then we'll start actually getting some more of those movies in the theaters or on yeah. streaming or something. Something. All right. Show is produced by me, executive produced by Jake and me. That Patreon again is patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies. Until next time. You are one lucky bug. <laughs> I don't know. Miss Man decides to take her little drag show on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, Jake, before we end, how could we not talk about this? Which is that, what's the song? The What I Want song? Reflections. Reflections. Yeah. Pretty lame. Pretty lame, but Christina Aguilera's breakthrough. She made a career on being like the teeny bopper that did the pop version of that song. She did the pop, she was the teeny bopper who did the pop version of that song. And then next thing you know, she was a genie in a bottle. So she jumped from Milan to Aladdin, apparently. Yeah, going backwards. Yeah. Well, there you go. I I, I, I didn't think we could end without... (laughs) Without throwing that little bit in there? Oh, it's fun. I don't know. People that grew up in the 90s, it's kind of fun to remember. There you go. There you go.